so thankful for our praise team and them leading us in worship this morning. Our scripture today comes from the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 1, and then chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. There was once a man in the land of us whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. One day, the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along with them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still persists in his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him for no reason. Then Satan answered the Lord, Skin for skin, all that people have they will give to save their lives. But stretch out your hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, he is in your power, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted loathsome sores on Job, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Job took a potsherd with which to scrape himself and sat among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Word of God for us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you because we know that you're going to speak to us through it. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will just open our hearts and our minds to receive it. Help us, O oh Lord, to apply it to our lives. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The story of Job is a complicated one, isn't it? His description seems simple enough, though. A man from the land of us who was blameless and upright, who feared God and turned away from evil. A righteous dude. He's a good guy. Here's a guy that believes in God, that makes the right choices. You know, we would, we would call him a righteous man by every stretch of the imagination. In his dialogue with Satan, God brags about Job. He basically says to Satan, when Satan comes to him, he says, have you considered my servant Job? There's just no one like him on all the earth, blameless and upright. You know, at that moment, I want to be like Job. Out of all the people on the earth, God brags about him. 
Out of everybody that had faith and believed in God in the land on that time, God picks Job as the example of righteousness, as the example of somebody who faithfully and strongly believes in him. And this is after Job has already been through a lot. You see, if you read all of chapter 1, you hear that Job was devoted to God. He was so devoted that even when his children went and had feasts, afterwards he would offer sacrifices for each of them just in case they had sinned so that God would have mercy and forgive them. This is the kind of man he was, and even though he was that good a man, Satan had been given permission to take away his cattle, to take away his children, to basically strip Job of all that he owned. So by the time we read in chapter 2, the section that we are focusing on today, Job has already been through a lot. And yet God is still bragging on him because even though his children have been taken away, even though his cattle were stolen, even though he has been through so much already, Job is still believing and trusting in God. Now, we like to identify with Job when we think about blameless and upright. You know, we want to be in that category of blameless and upright. You know, that when God looks out, he looks at us and he goes, yeah, there's my blameless and upright servant. When we don't want to identify with Job, it's when he has to go through all the hardship that he does. You see, it's not the description of Job that makes the story complicated. It seems pretty simple, right? Upright, righteous, pretty simple. It is the conversation between God and Satan about Job that is troubling at times. When you hear this discussion going on between God and Satan, and we pick up the story, Satan is basically saying, yeah, he still worships you because you haven't touched his skin. You haven't touched his body. You took away his stuff. But if you were to touch his body, he surely would curse you. Isn't it interesting to you that there's roll call in heaven? That God calls all the heavenly beings to report to him every so often? Because that's what's happening here. Satan has come from roaming the whole earth, from checking everything out. And that's when the discussion takes place between God and Satan. This is when God tells him to consider his servant Job. This is when Satan basically says, yeah, but if you just let me touch his skin, you'll see. Because people will do anything to save their lives. If you let me do this, he'll definitely curse you. We hear that interaction, and then something that we can't expect happens. God lets Satan afflict Job, asking Satan only not to touch his life. Satan leaves and finds Job inflicts him with sores from the bottom of his feet 
to the top of his head. Scripture says that it was so bad that he would pick up potsherds, which were pieces of pottery, to scrape off the sores that he was having. I can only imagine that this was horrible because if you've ever been bit by mosquitoes everywhere and you had an allergic reaction like I did a few weeks ago and you're itching everywhere, you know that kind of desperation that you start getting where you just want to almost rip your skin open because it is so itchy. And that's mosquito bites. I want you to think about what it must have been like for him to have sores probably oozing, probably bleeding, extremely irritated, probably itching. And you know that if you scratch at a sore, it gets only worse. If you scratch at a sore, it only hurts more. And yet it was so bad that he had to scrape them with that piece of pottery. This was a new low for Job. He sat in ashes after having torn his cloth, clothing and just basically sat in ashes, scraping these sores when his wife comes to him and says, do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. Why is it that when we're down, there's always somebody who comes to try to kick us down even further? You know, this wife was not being very good to him. Here he is, completely down and out, and just completely covered in sores from head to toe. And his wife comes and says, you know, there's no future. There's no hope. There's no possibility for you. You've lost everything. You've lost your children. You've lost your cattle. You've lost your health. Just quit. Curse God and die. Get it over with. Isn't that what the enemy tries to tell us all the time? To just quit on God and end our lives. And did you see how Job responded? You speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? And in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. You know, the enemy tries to bring us to the breaking point and sometimes even uses so-called friends or people around us to try to even push us even further down so that we will reach that breaking point in which we basically forsake God and give up. Job's wife clearly wanted him to throw in the towel, to give up. Surrender to the suffering and the evil that has befallen you. Surrender to your death. Curse God. Forsake him. Basically say you will no longer serve him because of everything that has happened to you. And just give up. You know, when bad things happen to good people, there's always so-called friends that come around to say it must be your fault. You must have done something wrong. There's always somebody that comes and says, well, think back. You definitely messed up somewhere because you're paying for it now. 
You know, if you read the whole book of Job, you, you hear about his friends who come to question him about his condition and situation. And you know, one after another after another basically says, Job, it's got to be your fault. Because they don't understand the why of the situation. Why would God allow this to happen if it wasn't because you did something to deserve it? Job looked at things differently than his wife. The scripture tells us he still persisted in his integrity of faith, even though he did not understand the why of his situation. He still persisted in his integrity, even though everybody around him told him to quit and give up. He still believed that God was still God, whether he delivered him from the situation he was in or not. But it doesn't mean that he didn't have his own pity party. How many of us have had pity parties? Anybody? Anyone? I got to tell you, I had a pity party this week. I had a good one. I was in a district of ministry meeting, doing God's work, interviewing candidates for ministry. And I came out at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and had a flat tire waiting for me. And I changed the tire. I say, oh, God, it's just a bump in the road. It'll be fine. And put my tire in and got in my car and started driving. And my car had no air conditioning. And I started my pity party again. And I got home, and God made me look up Job and read almost the entire book. And it was an eye-opening experience because we identify, we have these, I call Job moments, where we think that things are going so terrible and that we deserve better, and then God gives us a glimpse as, how, as to how bad it can actually get. And I began to realize that my lack of air conditioning and my little flat tire compared in no way to what Job had gone through. That I didn't understand even the first thing about losing all of my children and all of my possessions that I didn't even come to understand the grief that must have befallen his heart as he lost his health on top of everything else. And I wished I could have had the attitude of Job because when he lost his children, you know what he said? What we sang earlier, God gives and God takes away. Man, that attitude of recognizing that it is all in God's purview, it's all his, and he is free to give it and to take it away. But that's hard for us to take and to understand. Job's position was straightforward. He would not join the countless others who would complain to God about their, their lot in life or what they were facing. He would not join those who would blame God. He would not sin with his lips by cursing the God who had given him so much, even though he had been taken away. And as he sat in ashes, 
with sores covering from head to toe, he continued to believe that God was able to redeem him. There are so many times we want to identify with Job to be right there with him, to be with him as he pleads his case before God and before his friends. And we want to cheer for Job and say, Job, you haven't done anything wrong. It's not you. It's this cosmic thing going on between Satan and God, and you're caught in the middle. How many times are we the ones caught in the middle? Having to endure a loss or a grief, having to endure things that pale in comparison to loathsome sores that cover our whole bodies. The fact is that we all go through stuff. And in the middle of the things that we're going through, we have to remain faithful to God. In the book of Job, we just hear that chapter after chapter after chapter, Job is seeking to understand the why of a situation. But there are times when we just don't know the why, do we? There are things that we don't understand about this life, about the turns and twists that our lives take and the purposes of God. But when we can't find the why for suffering or for pain or for illness, it bothers us, doesn't it? It makes us uncomfortable because we want to know the why. There are times when I have more questions than answers, but I think one of the points that the book of Job makes is that even when I have more questions than answers, God continues to be worthy of my praise. God continues to be God. We ask candidates of ministry, um, you know, what does it mean for Jesus Christ to be Lord? And, and some of them were, that were in their first year were talking about, well, if you believe in him, he is Lord. And, and some of us in the committee pushed back and we said, is he only Lord because you believe in him? Or is he Lord always? And gives you the opportunity to believe that fact. You see, it's a difference for us to say he's only Lord when things are going well, when things are going right, when there's no troubles in life. And it's another thing to declare that Jesus is Lord always, regardless of the situation. That no matter what the ups or the downs in our lives might be, God continues to be the king and the ruler of the universe. You know, as we go through COVID, we have seen people have these Job moments. People have lost loved ones, neighbors, friends, co-workers to this pandemic. We have tried in all of our ways to be righteous before God, to be careful, to be watchful, to do everything correctly, and yet people continue to get sick. And the pandemic doesn't seem to end even though we see a glimmer of hope and a turning point. Many are still asking the why question and trying to find meaning in, it, in all of it, to which Job would say, 
Should we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? And I would go a little further and say even the stuff that we might consider bad can be used for the glory of God. How many people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ who would never set foot in a church because of online church right now? How many people are watching online that have never been in this sanctuary? How many people have sought God when they had nothing else because they were quarantined in their home for three or four weeks with illness? And they had to come face to face with their mortality. How many people have left this life only to start the next because they put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ despite COVID? You know, I think Job's statement is a way of Job confronting us with our prejudices and preconceptions about God. That sometimes we treat God like a Santa Claus, and if he gives me good stuff and it's what I liked and asked for, then I'll praise him. But if he doesn't, I'll be a little spoiled brat and complain and throw it to the side. And what Job is saying, no matter what comes, no matter what happens, no matter what life brings, God is the creator of the universe. He is sovereign. He is Lord of all. And he deserves our praise and worship for what he's already done in Jesus Christ for us. End the story. If he didn't give us one more thing, God would still be worthy of our praise. God's lordship does not depend on my circumstances. And God is able to take away and give back. I think one of the things that's remarkable to me of Job is that even to the end, he continued to believe in God even when it looked like his life was about to end and when he wished he was dead because he had lost it all. Even when he cursed the day of his birth, he refused to renege on his faith in God. And God not only restored him, but gave him tenfold. God blessed them beyond where he started because he refused to give in to despair. Job is inviting us to have a steadfast and steady faith that doesn't look at what's going on around us in order to be strong, but that looks at what's inside of us and confesses that God is still good despite our circumstances. I have to tell you, I wish I was like Job because there are times when I have not felt blameless and there are times when I have not felt worthy to even praise him because of how much I complained on the way. But the incredible thing about God is he is so gracious that when we recognize that in ourselves and we bring it before him, 
He forgives it and pours out grace on us and says, I forgive you and my life is still for you. My promises are still for you and I am still for you. So today as we close, I just want you to know that God is for you. That no matter what you're going through, no matter what situations you're facing, no matter what illness comes your way, you can continue to keep your faith firmly planted in him because he is always there for us in the ups and in the downs. When we see it and when we don't, he is still working for our good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for Job. I thank you for this story in our scripture, Lord, that really brings us face to face with some of the situations that we face and how we deal with them in our lives. We ask you, O oh Lord, that you will help us to seek to be blameless and righteous before you, that we will seek like Job to not allow the situations in our lives to bring us down to the point that we forsake you or forget you. Help us to continue to pray with faith, knowing that you can deliver us, knowing that even if you don't, though, you are worthy of our praise and our worship and that our lives belong to you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.